Hey there, it's Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR. Before we get into the next episode, I wanted to ask that you subscribe to the show. It'll help us get even more unique and interesting guests on the podcast and in turn continue to educate management teams and the growing ecosystem that creates value for fast-growing private and public companies. And while you're at it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Very much appreciated. Remaining consistent in your messaging is incredibly important. If a company markets only at certain times, only when they have to deliver good news, hedge funds are wise to that. So when we track who we should be marketing or which cities we should be marketing in, we want to make sure that message is clear and consistent, good news, bad news. You shouldn't hide from marketing with an analyst who may have a sell rating on your name. Perhaps they need some clarity on why your story is being told the way it is. Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR, and over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company, and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. Corporate access, as it's traditionally been known, was developed and launched by investment banks to help their clients, institutional investors, connect with companies. Investor access, on the other hand, treats the issuers the client, ensuring that each target, each meeting, and each connection benefits the company first and foremost. In other words, investor access, as the name implies, connects companies with the best and most appropriate investors in the world. Joining me on the podcast today is Megan Montegari, Managing Director of Investor Access at ICR. Megan recently joined us with over a decade of experience in all facets of corporate access and institutional equity sales. While on the sell side with the likes of B of A Merrill, Scotia Capital, and Wells Fargo, she worked closely with corporates to identify potential shareholders execute roadshows, assist in mergers, spins, acquisitions, and coordinate major conferences. In this episode, Megan and I discuss a vision where corporate access improved, a service we call investor access. Let's enter the arena with Megan Montegari. Investor access or corporate access is exactly what it sounds like. It's access to the investment community or to the corporate client. Uh, the quick 101 is pre-Reg FD. The sell-side research analysts were breaking, not interpreting news. They had relationships with companies, and the better the relationship, the more information they were able to share. Now, in this post-Reg FD world, research analysts are given information at the same time as the rest of the world. Instead of leaning on the research of the sell side, investors want to hear directly from the management team's news about the company. The concept of corporate access remains incredibly important to both the sell side and the buy side alike. There are conflicts of interest at an investment bank that might keep today's version of sell side corporate access from maybe being as good as it could possibly be. Maybe talk about those conflicts of interest as you see them. Well, there's certainly a major conflict of interest that just came about within the past few years, and that's, you know, MIFID II 
the title is Markets and Financial Instruments Directive. And it went into effect, the original one in 2007. Then after the global financial crisis, MIFID II came about. And what happened there was it ultimately wanted to make sure that the investment community was cared for. With MIFID II, brokers can no longer provide corporate access for free. And instead, it's being paid for by the buy side community. So the buy side teams that are paying for this access to management generally are the hedge funds. They'll pay a heftier fee for this access to management teams. A one-on-one in the office of a large long only, they may pay, you know, three to five hundred dollars for a one-on-one meeting, maybe up to a thousand dollars. The hedge fund can pay up to twenty-five thousand for that same one-on-one meeting. So you seriously profit a lot greater by providing those hedge funds with those meetings. But then also recently, there was Institutional Investor Magazine went from an acid-weighted vote. So you think the likes of any of those state pension funds or anyone that, um, you know, any of those long onlys, uh, historically, they had a larger vote. II rankings meant an institutional analyst or sell-side analyst wants to be ranked II number one. They get paid more. Oftentimes, they're outbid to go to another firm. But II rankings were what kind of kept the sell-side analyst in check. They still wanted to do what was right for the management team by getting them in front of those long-term shareholders. Now, II went to a commission-weighted vote versus that acid-weighted vote. So now those hedge funds have uh, not only are they paying the sell side, but they're also getting that vote. So the research analyst who previously, as I mentioned, wanted to make sure that the needs of the company were met. Now they're a little bit more incentivized to get those hedge fund meetings in in with the management teams. So where they may have said, hey, listen, uh, let's get some more long onlys in. They may not necessarily want to get those long only ins when those hedge funds are going to rank them II if they get a lot of access. So that's kind of where that conflict of interest is, is these days. We're not saying by any means that this happens across every single bank and every single time, but there's no question there is an economic incentive for the investment banks to put management teams in front of buy side accounts that pay them the most. And that in turn, you know, logically says that maybe, you know, when company XYZ goes to New York and Boston, they may not be in front of the accounts that could be best for them they're getting in front of accounts that are the best for the investment bank. And I think that's where we came in and are trying to kind of redraw the the lines here by calling it investor access versus corporate access. Corporate access to me, just by the very nature of its name, is geared to the buy side because it's access for the buy side to corporates. Investor access is focused completely on and I see our client or a potential client of ours where we're giving them access to investors and we don't have a conflict of interest because we don't get paid by the buy side. Since I started, we've done a few beta tests, if you may, where we would go out directly to investors and our thought process is we want to do what's right for the corporate because this is their time and everyone's time is a resource. So what we've seen is, you know, even in partnering with the sell side, you know, certainly the folks that are receiving the phone calls are those hedge funds that do pay. But what we want to make sure is that the investors that don't necessarily pay, they may not have a research relationship with the sell side or they may pay close to nothing for corporate access 
or investor access, we want to make sure that those folks are being contacted. So, you know, what we do is we ultimately level the playing field. We take that whole holistic view of what's going on in the market. Who should our client be meeting with? Why should they be meeting with them? And how do we get in front of them? So, you know, me reaching out to the investor is a lot different than the sell side reaching out to the investor. Certainly when we work with the sell side, we want to make sure that we're partnering with them. But if there's a client that's not paying the sell side, then we will make that outreach and we'll ensure that the investor that the company wants to meet with is contacted. And if they don't want the meeting, we'll get the response. But if they do want the meeting, then we'll set it up and we'll set it up in a way that won't take away from the sell side. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, all we're really trying to do is create the best possible situation for the company. And when you have a shift in the market to where a company is only getting put in front of the highest commission payers, maybe hedge funds, there's a whole other host of capital sources of institutional accounts that could be very important. That goes for like a Fidelity and a T. Row or companies like that, that are setting up their own corporate access groups. Maybe you can talk about that dynamic and, and how it fits into the overall landscape that we're talking about. With the creation of MIFID, as I mentioned, that shifted the way corporate access was paid for and was looked at. And again, to provide a meeting without payment is essentially an inducement, and that's illegal in terms of MIFID. So what happened was, you know, some of those larger buy side firms, they did realize that they wanted to take that function in house. So they hired former sell side corporate access people to go and ultimately do that outreach to companies directly. So I've partnered with a number of these individuals, you know, have reached out. I knew them either while working on the sell side or, you know, from meeting with them at conferences and whatnot. And what I do is I've introduced what we're working on here at ICR and shared that, you know, if I can serve as a resource to help them get in front of management teams, then by all means, reach out to me and contact me and we'll work in partnership. Uh, A few years ago, pre the COVID pandemic shutdown, you know, a number of these firms had gathered together to create a conference. You know, something like this is what we would love to do at ICR to provide our clients with access to these long onlys and to provide them with access to this addressable capital where, you know, historically speaking, maybe they'd have to go to a number of different conferences to be able to get in front of these individuals or they would take time to meet with them on a one-off basis. If we're able to, you know, assist in that functionality, if we're able to leverage my relationships with these buy-side individuals to help our companies, then by all means, you know, that's what we're here to do. You know, like everything that we do here at ICR, it's really meant to demystify something, you know, that if you're running a company and you're a great operator and you're building value for all your stakeholders, you may not understand kind of the art and the science of how an investment bank works. And I think the reason we got into this business is because you need somebody to to sit on management side of the table, understanding those conflicts and creating a path that's going to be the best for them kind of advanced targeting and things like this is it's something that every single company wants and they they all need to get better at. I think there's a whole other group of providers out there that just dump like data all over you and they don't have like a human being interpreting the data. So on the one side, you got to have the sell side and, and the conflicts there. On the other side, you have data dumpers on management teams and that's not something they know. Why is it so important to have like a a person and a team that can pull all this together. 
So yeah, there are certainly a number of data providers who present the data the way the data is presented, as simple as that sounds. There are certain nuances, if you may, with corporate access where you know, a Northern Trust is labeled as an index firm. However, they do take meetings. So bits of color like that, where the human, you know, I've been on the sell side for a number of years and I know that I have the relationships. I know who takes meetings, British Columbia Investment Management, for example. They're one of the few sovereign wealth funds that have gone from passive to active. The majority are going from active to passive. So little tidbits of information are incredibly important. What happens is a lot of these data providers will just screen and either remove anyone that's labeled as passive and not put that in the output. Or what they'll do is they'll just show everybody that you can reach out to. And, you know, for example, you're not going to reach out to State Street to set up a one-on-one on a roadshow in Boston. But instead, you know, what I'll do is I remove that. I actively take all of the data, remove anyone that's purely passive, add anyone in who is passive but takes meetings. They're, in theory, active then. And I'll do that human overlay, which, you know, certainly is needed. Also, what happens on the sell side is, again, they want their largest payers in these meetings. So I'll kind of take a broad look. You know, certainly when we partner with the sell side, we want to make sure that they're taken care of. We want to make sure that they can keep the lights on. You know, it's a great relationship that we do have. But I also want to make sure that we're getting the investors that our clients want to meet with on the schedule. So a lot of harmonious relationships happening here. You know, we don't have a sales force here. So that's why our relationship with the sell side is important. But we certainly do utilize and leverage our vendors to make sure that we have as much information as possible to make us, you know, dangerous, if you may. so many dynamics at play in the market, it's critical that management teams and boards meet consistently with their shareholder base. Become complacent and you can quickly lose the benefit of the doubt and ultimately control. Investment decisions certainly change with stock prices and remaining consistent in your messaging is incredibly important. There's oftentimes an incremental buyer, you know, you may be heavily owned, you know, your top 40 or 50 shareholders maybe passive and you know there's not necessarily addressable capital with regards to that shareholder base but when something happens and that algo is triggered and you know there's a massive sell off you need to meet with that next incremental buyer so what's important there is to constantly get out and relay that messaging someone may not necessarily target as a buyer or they may not be in your name right now but when something happens you want to meet with that next incremental buyer you want to meet with that person that's on the sideline waiting to make an investment in your name. Oftentimes the buy side cannot take a position in any given name unless they have a meeting with management. So that becomes incredibly important. And then with regards to that messaging, continuing to maintain that consistent messaging, hedge funds are very, very smart and they definitely use a lot of the data. So if a company markets only at certain times, only when they have to deliver good news, Hedge funds are wise to that. They know, they track when folks market and then what comes of that marketing. So when they see you not on the road marketing, they'll track that and they keep that in their database. So, you know, I think that consistent messaging is important. Meeting with investors who could potentially buy you. You know, when we do our targeting, we take a look at the peer level to see who's buying and selling the peers, what's going on there. So when we track who we should be marketing or which cities we should be marketing in, we want to make sure that that message is clear and consistent. Good news, bad news. You shouldn't hide. You shouldn't hide from marketing with an analyst who may have a sell rating on your name. Perhaps they need some clarity on why your story is being told the way it is, you know, so I think when it comes time to doing the marketing, remaining consistent and that outreach is incredibly valuable and important. 
Yeah, I always found it to be bizarre when, you know, management teams want to start suing analysts who have like a sell rating or anything like that. At some point, you know, if you're working on the business and maybe, you know, there's a a three-phased plan over, you know, two or three years to kind of turn the battleship and kind of change the business model, whatever you're doing, maybe a sell is a warrant. It's such a rare rating on Wall Street. You know, when I was an analyst, anything other than a strong buy was a sell. But the reality is you have to keep going out and meeting with the analysts. You get such high marks for transparency, right? It's like, look, we're not there yet. Keep your eye on us. And then you may need that analyst that has the sell rating in the future, because at some point when that person flips to a buy, it has a lot of credibility. And to your point earlier, when something goes wrong and your stock price is cratering, that's not the time to like wonder what introductions I need. So how often do you think companies should go out and meet with investors? Well, there is, as the idiom goes, there is something that's too much of a good thing. Certainly going out every other week during post earnings, you know, before you go quiet, that's too much. You know, you need to spend time doing your job, doing, you know, working on the business itself. Investors certainly see that if they see a certain company marketing every day or every other week at every single conference, they wonder why aren't they doing their job? What's going on here? Why are they out too frequently? Who's minding the shop? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I think, you know, attending some of the major conferences, that's huge. You know, you want to make sure that you're, if your peers are out there, you, you too are out there marketing. I would say get to New York a couple times a year, you know, get to Boston, get to those major markets. You want to make sure that you're out there marketing, but you don't want to market too often. You know, I'd argue to say that there's enough addressable capital in New York that you can spend two days there in any given roadshow. Again, depending on what the demand is, depending on your market cap. And now in this virtual environment or this hybrid environment, I was attending a conference and something I heard was, you know, maybe meetings with a certain vendor that does these, you know, virtual meetings went from maybe a few thousand to over a hundred thousand, you know, meetings and in a given year. And that's certainly happening. I think the company or the investors that benefited from this virtual environment were those state pension funds where, you know, they don't have the budgets to travel to major conferences, but those are the, the investors that every company wants in their portfolio. So definitely lots of stuff has changed in this post COVID world access to management should be no different. The theme is kind of the same, right? It's if you are going to spend the money and the time to go to New York or Boston or San Francisco or LA, the schedule has got to be great, right? I mean, it's kind of like going in there and meeting with so-and-so hedge fund for the 10th time this year. It's just not smart. My next question, Megan, is we're talking a lot about some of the conflicts on the sell side and how the bigger buy side firms are starting up their own thing. We want to make it clear that we're not doing this to displace corporate access as it exists today on the sell side. We're just doing this to create a service that's great for companies. And we're happy to include the sell side in that. H how does that work? That's a question I receive quite often. You know, what, what are you doing? Are you disintermediating the sell side? And it's a strong no. We are not disintermediating. We are partnering with the sell side. But we also, while we're partnering with them, we want to make sure that, you know, it is a corporate's time. These are the folks that are getting on a plane, that leaving their family, that are traveling, that are disrupting their everyday schedule to get in front of investors. And they want to do so to help their stock and help improve the shareholder base. Well, that being the case, we want to tell the sell side that, you know, while you may have a roadshow, 
we aren't going to put every single, you know, quick turning hedge fund into the meetings because they pay you and we're partners. We want to make sure that our clients are getting in front of those investors that they need to meet with. And if you do the right thing, if you do what's right for the corporate community, then we'll reward you by giving you those meetings. Yeah. And if we partner up with the sell side on a roadshow for any given company, if management is over the moon on the quality of that schedule, that's going to reflect really great on the sell side. So it's only going to reflect better on them. My next question, Megan, is ICR has about a thousand clients. We have all the data on all the owners and how that moves around quarter to quarter. What are you and the team doing to kind of leverage ICR's database? So we have a treasure trove of data, as you know, over 25 years of data that's been collected. And what we want to do is we've created our targeting platform and we're going to almost use it as an overlay on that targeting. So as we reach out to you know the investors, we know, OK, these folks historically have taken meetings when the market cap is X, Y, Z. This is something that is in the works and it's going to make it incredibly powerful. But, you know, with the current data that we do have and it goes back to the marketing and what's been going on in the past few years, We certainly want to make sure that, you know, while an investment bank XYZ, for example, maybe they were unable to put together a roadshow in Boston. What we want to do and what we are in the process of doing is collecting data to see how folks are in which cities and which industries do they thrive in and which ones do they not necessarily uh, do so well in and make sure that we direct access accordingly. Navigating the complex world of investor access requires a huge amount of expertise. Access to comprehensive data makes a big difference, but having the intuition on when to market and when to hold off is also vital to success. Thank you so much, Megan, for being on the show today. She is meticulous in her research, her use of data, and she has the experience needed to guide our corporate clients through an increasingly complex environment where oftentimes there are conflicts and competing agendas. This is Tom Ryan. We'll see you next time back in the arena. References to specific stocks are not intended to be recommendations for specific trading behavior. Comments presented on this podcast are intended for informational and educational purposes only and do not represent opinions or recommendations on whether to buy, sell, or hold shares of a particular stock. All investors are advised to conduct their own independent research into individual stocks before making a trading decision. In addition, investors are advised that past stock performance is no guarantee of future price performance.